0: There is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.
1: Things are only impossible until they are not. Welcome to the Capson's Chair, a Star Trek Picard podcast on the Fangirl Zone. I'm
2: Chief Engineer Steve and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Redshirt Dave, and tonight we'll be discussing Episode 5 of Season 1 of Star Trek Picard.
1: I think this was a great episode, but before we get into it, we do have some feedback on Episode 4 from our friend Fred from the
0: Netherlands. So let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 4. I like this episode a lot, of course, as anybody It was very nice to see Seven of Nine appearing in the last scene. And for me it was especially nice because I was watching this with my wife and she was really cheering on the couch. It isn't that she didn't know that Jerry Ryan would be in it because she saw an interview with her, but nevertheless that was nice. I like the cinematography here again, the village, the inside of the Fausti nunnery, Rio ship on the inside, and several space views, including the battle. Talking about Rios, very nice that he has an emergency holographic navigator. Of course, all these double roles remind me of Orphan Black, and this really opens my Orphan Black heart, and I think the actor does it very well. I wonder if we ever get a three-double situation. This all reminds me, of course, of the Sea word Steve. I liked, you can think wrong things about this, but I liked the way Narissa waked up her brother Narek. And we get here talking about elvish like persons. We get after a Star Trek Turiel in Narissa. now also a Star Trek Legolas in Elnor. And even his name sounds a little bit Lord of the Ringish. Funny fact I discovered is that the boy that is playing young Elnor is Ian Nanny. And he is brought up in a fasty nunnery. The role of Zani, played by Amira Van, was very, very, very nice. Although I was quite critical about the acting of Sir Patrick sometimes, and even in this episode I saw it again that I thought, "Uh, not the perfect acting. I saw in this episode really very good and very superb pieces of acting by him. For instance, when he is standing with Raffi in front of the window of the Hollow Chateau, and he is talking about that he does want to go to Vashti, because it's perhaps the last time he is going to visit uh, Vashti, and seeing the the nuns there, and seeing Elnor. This is a very nice, broad sentence, and he says, I may never pass this way again, and then how he looks after that. uh, Very, very well played. I had some problems with the teenage love scene like sliding in a borg cube. Hello, yeah I know people in love do strange things but still bit silly of Narek organizing this. And for a part it worked but then suddenly Soji realized more or less huh? What are you doing with me and what game are you playing? very bright of her by the way but i didn't know where that realization came from suddenly but it it was was good that she did realize this also let me realize that if she is an android then in the emotional field she must be quite good to feel all this subtle emotional people playing her things I think this is the goal Data always had to reach this point to be as human as possible and I think if you would watch Soju and you wouldn't know this story and would see how she interacts on an emotional level then nobody would think this is an android. Okay that was all for now. Fred signing off. Well Fred
1: I'm glad you found some Parts of the acting that you thought Sir Patrick did well in. And yeah, I agree. The scene with Rafi was really done well. Of course, everybody loves the cinematography in this show. They're definitely top notch, especially the battle scene. And yeah, I think it would be great to see multiple EMs on the set at the same time to see how they interact with each other. But I'm not sure we're going to get to
2: see that, but. Fingers crossed we do. (laughs) That'd be nice. I think Fred has a problem with Sir Patrick's acting in the past because I think that Patrick Stewart is deliberately playing that way. He's ebbing in vitality. So if he seems to struggle a little, it's because of his advanced years, I think.
1: Right, and it's also due to the emotional damage that he's been dealing with for the last 15 years and, and he gets reminded
2: of it in every episode.
1: Right. <laughs> and I think that's the big key to why we're not seeing the old John Luke that we're used to. He's a different man and and if you go back and look at all the ready rooms, you actually kind of get a sense that that's it because on the first pitch that they made, he didn't want to do it. And it wasn't until the second pitch that kind of brought out that that he is emotionally damaged as well as almost everybody else that Sir Patrick decided, yeah, this is what I
2: want to do. Yeah. I would think that would be a little more of a challenge too. Right. It's yeah. easy to go around pointing your finger and saying engage, you know, and being <laughs> in, in command, but this is a situation he's not in command of. Right. And of course that being an actor of his caliber,
1: yes, I think he would much rather have something more challenging than status quo. So
2: he's done that.
1: Yes. And the sliding scene was a bit much. I think we all agree on that, but I think we also said in the podcast that we kind of thought that Narek was trying to use it more as a distraction to try to get Soji to offer up some information, which when he actually questions her about what well, being on the Ellison, that that's when she realized what was going on and she's got out of there. So
2: yeah, I think you pressed his point a little bit. A little bit much, but having fun with somebody in a relationship, doing the uh, cosmic slip and slide, that's a way to get someone to relax and let your guard down. Absolutely. He just pushed it a little too hard. Yes. (laughs) And
1: speaking of pushing a little too hard, uh, Narissa waking up, Narek, yeah, that was... (laughs) 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 <laughs> Gave everybody the, um, maybe there's something going on there Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't care about subtlety. No, <laughs> not at all. So once again, Fred, we thank you for your feedback, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts very soon. All right, Dave, shall we dive into
2: episode five? Yes, Stardust City Rag. I wonder if that's a single out on vinyl now, or 45. Yes. Oh, wait. Sorry, boomer talk. (laughs) The La Serena crew begin an unpredictable and lively expedition on Free Cloud to search for Bruce Maddox. When they learn Maddox has found himself in a precarious situation, a familiar face offers her assistance, complete with implants. Yes. (laughs) So what did you think of this episode? That wasn't one of my favorites. I, I know you liked it, but I didn't like the writing that much. I didn't think... That left much for Jonathan Frakes to work with. Really, I thought Frakes' best moment when he was directing Rafi's character. Right. When she became emotionally vulnerable, she really stumbled through trying to reconnect. At the end of the episode, we can I have this a theme. Okay. There's a thematic through, through line, which we'll discuss at the end. But yeah, she really struggled with her emotions as a character. Right. Which is great to see. And then it was almost like a light switch. When she kind of got snappy, we'll get there, too. Right. So I think we can see somebody that's struggling with their emotions and addiction. And Frakes really brought that out in her. So I was appreciative of that. But I just had a problem with the whole free cloud thing. To me, that's le- better left for the hologram. Right. You know? Can you see that for real? Right. I know you want to be flamboyant as a, uh, a facer and stuff, but really? <laughs> like a pimp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about Star Trek is... They're always more evolved. Right. Doesn't mean you have to be boring. I understand that. You can still have fun <laughs> in the future. That's what the uh, holodeck's for. Right. But, you know, and that's what I, I don't like. I know I'm going on here, but that's why I don't like this, the swearing either. I don't have a problem with it. Right. But Star Trek's always more evolved than we are, and to hear him drop F-bombs here. I know Michael Chabon has said, well, that's because the censors wouldn't let him do it. And I was, no, I disagree. I think it's because in the 24th century, they're just more evolved than we are. Right. I don't know if you can hear this, but I'm getting off my soapbox right now. Yeah, Steve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I saw somewhere
1: that somebody compared the free cloud to Riza, and basically called Riza Branson, Missouri. <laughs> so.
2: Oh, right. I think I saw that too. Yeah. You know what was disappointing? Okay, that sound you hear is me getting back up in the soapbox. <laughs> I can't <didn't> remember. <know. laughs> when we heard they were going to a free cloud and had to dress up and stuff, before this episode i'm like good i wanted to measure against this against the cantina scene from star wars right so he who could do it better i have to give the edge to star wars very true yeah a lot more fun yeah i mean you had a a unique opportunity to show alien species music and the rest i'll give the nod to star wars and the cantina scene on that one sorry trek yep gotta step your game up yep
1: well we actually do have some catching up on the past to do As 13 years earlier at the Seven Domes on planet Vergesen, we see a doctor brutally extract an eyeball from a Borg captive who happens to be wearing a Starfleet uniform.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, where is Starfleet when you need him? I know, they should be able to pick up on his... Communicator, communicator. yes, absolutely. We discussed this earlier about communicators and them tapping into it, but maybe it doesn't have a uh, subspace functionality to it still right i don't know yeah (laughs) i guess everything big happened 14 years ago including the great collapse apparently after the mars attack so 13 years which is one year later i guess it's like the wild west suddenly people can get captured and slaughtered picked apart for pieces pretty brutal yes very brutal scene a little unjarring i would think you'd have to be somewhat sadistic to extract the parts without anesthesia well, i mean why not right you wouldn't want why would you want to damage the part you're pulling right person struggling struggling might as so well knock them out and pull it right out
1: yeah it would be much easier you would think so apparently
2: yeah. they enjoy
1: the torture
2: animal. okay that's a little strange well is that, you, is that jarring to you too then to, to open the episode with a little uh, a sadism oh absolutely but you really
1: get the sense of how the rest of the universe really feels about the board. I mean, we heard Hugh yeah. say that they were the most hated species ever, and, and yeah, you kind of see it in this opening scene.
2: Yeah, but these people are converted people. Right. Echeb is in the EB, you know, I know that's what Robbins are doing on the Cube. Right. Except those, at least at least they're knocked out. Yeah. Yes, they don't seem to be conscious on the Cube when they're extracting parts, but no. maybe it's to send us a message that it is the Wild West and nobody cares anymore. Who cares? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently so. We have much more space out there
1: that is not patrolled or controlled. Yeah. Of course, Seven Nine ends the operation by blasting those working at the slaughterhouse, and unfortunately, she's too late to save her comrade, whom she refers to as her child, and then kills him in an act of mercy. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been difficult for her to do. Oh, yeah, you could see the emotion. She wanted to get him out of there and try to save him, and and he says, no,
2: In me now. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I mean, aside from the pain thing. <laughs> right. But why not? I don't know. I mean, some of it is just narrative for us to consume, and it's add a little drama and give Seven of Nine some motivation. You know? Right, absolutely. She's to have some backstory to her bitterness. Yep. Still, could have fixed them. I don't know absolutely <laughs> see that's the that's the problem i have another part i had problem with the episode is is the writing i think it was buyer is it Byers or buyer that wrote it kirsten kirsty yeah yeah not, not the regular michael chabon i'm not sure if she has another writing credit coming up but can't have everything i'm gonna start like i'm gonna if fred can complain about sir patrick's <laughs> acting i can complain about some of the writing oh absolutely shall we check out free cloud sure free club stardust cities like neo-vegas holographic projections towering dancing beauties fighting robots and gambling kind of reminded me of little blade runner yes you know those kind of the cities where it's like non-stop neon and giant billboards and electronic faces and did you see the the sequel yes yeah that was pretty good and they, and they used holographic images on that too, for the Blade Runner twenty, I forget what year they use, forty three, forty six, yeah, something like forty three. I thought so. Yeah, where well they would have the giant <laughs> face <laughs> talking to, kind of remind me of that. It is cool. That, so I did appreciate that, and we get to see the inside of the lounge. And as we spoke of, Mister Vuk is there. He's a giant, unfriendly lizard like man, a sentient reptiloid. I think he was described as right. He's, I guess, the muscle. Yeah, I would <laughs> say so. The muscle with a nose and he, like twelve hundred noses on that can pick up everything. And we get another new character, the Jazel, on there. And uh, when I saw her appear, I was like, what the heck? Were right. you jarred by that too? I thought it was like, hey, what is Counselor Troy doing? Yes. <laughs> uh, oh my god. She looks so much like her, especially the the Troy we saw earlier. Yes. How could they they had to know that? Were they, they trying to send us for a loop there? I think so, because, yeah, that was my first thought is, how is this a young
1: Counselor Troy
2: no- being oh, such a she PA? She <laughs> That was really something. I was like, where is this going? Yeah. I, is it really her? I'm like, what are they doing? Anyway, they get Bruce. sure why. I'm still thinking, I'm trying to get my head around why Bruce Maddox is there. I can go anywhere. But I guess he's, you want to go someplace that's lawless? Eh? I guess or that anyway, you can hide it in but of course that sure didn't work out well for him either no we found out he is financing whatever he was working on with money he got from this bejaisal character so that kind of surprised me too because i thought he'd be doing that kind of work on earth on the side who's going to watch him but i guess after the ban he couldn't do anything right and so he had to move it on still i was wondering He must have been pursuing that work before the ban. Yes, absolutely. I expected more out of his character. I thought he'd be more of a, I don't know, I'm tripping over the word courageous. But he seemed really rattled and beaten. And, you know, I expected something more arrogant and Dr. Frankenstein-ish. And I'm right about everything, not somebody that's, I mean, everyone ages, of course, (laughs) including me. But I expected something. He's ex-Starfleet, too. He didn't strike me as... Any of those things, right? You know, I expected. I guess I expected to see a little more ex Star Trek to his backbone than what showed him in this episode. And then, of course, falls for the old drink. I put something in your drink thing. <laughs> right. Everyone always has the same look on their face when they realize there's something in their drink. Crash! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> yeah. Were you uh, happy with the way Maddox was portrayed? I know.
1: I really yeah. kind of felt like the same as you did. Is that? There really wasn't any depth in the character, and we really didn't see any of the Starfleet traits that we should have seen in him. I mean, he seemed like a beaten man. And yeah, this
2: he's supposed to be a brilliant scientist. He did achieve what he was looking for, but man, I thought they would portray him as someone who was a lot more clever. Right, One step ahead or two steps ahead of whoever's going to pursue him. That was right. not the case. Yeah, and that was
1: very curious that they would play this character that way because we aren't going to get any any more information out of him. So that really kind of is a major letdown that we aren't going to have him more than this episode. I was expecting uh, so much more, find out why he
2: did what he did, and that's just gone now. Yeah, he was pretty I mean he if you go back to a uh, Next Generation episode that he appeared in, that character, he was pretty arrogant back then. Oh yes, very <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't care what you think of Data, he's just a robot to me. Right. Yeah, something to be experimented on. Oh, it's well. more like the
1: Jasel than yeah. anything else. So Yeah, you know, yeah. Goes yeah. a full circle here. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. of course, on board the La Serena, Seven finds Picard in the Chateau Den. <laughs> Love his this idea. scene, yeah. Not his idea. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells her that he admires the goals, courage, and tenacity of the Fenris Rangers, but eh, you're taking the law into your own hands. And she shoots right back with him. What law?
2: <laughs> Point yeah, taken. so we got our normal episodic reminder that, what's the alternative? Give up. Right. So once again, there's a little jibe that he had to take about everyone can consider this- and giving up, even seven of nine has to throw in a little insult there. Not that we didn't get it, didn't lay down thick in this episode, but didn't escape it either. Right, and she starts to leave,
1: and then decides to ask about who Picard is trying to save. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go, well, there's still something there in in seven that yeah, some humanity, humanity. She, she
2: actually. She revisits that herself later on, too, when she's has a little whispered conversation with Picard right, about being ex-Borg. Yes. He confides to her that it's not completely. I think we see that play out. Of course, she she's bitter. Oh, yeah. We, not, we
1: know why. Yes, <laughs> we know why. <laughs> and then we go up onto the bridge where Rafi looks at her screen, and we see the name Gabriel Wong on it. Kind of go, hmm. All right, who is this guy? But then she has the conversation with Rios that the notorious Seven of Nine is on his ship. And, oh, by the way, Picard also used to be Borg.
2: Yeah. Didn't we discuss that earlier, like two episodes ago? Yeah. (laughs) You'd think he'd know. Right. I think Rios would know, especially as we suspect he might be uh, in intelligence. Yeah. I don't know how could have missed that but okay whatever again i don't think this was the best written episode right and as we check in on
1: gerardy we find her watching a home movie of herself and maddox baking cookies <laughs> and you go okay they were just a little bit more than yeah partners uh or
2: co-workers as we see a kiss yeah see fred We'll t- address Fred here. That's how you get someone to be happy. <laughs> it's, if it's not cosmic slip and slide, is making cookies together. Although I, I get the uh, relationship that they're also making life forms. Right. There's the replicator way of making synths and life forms. And there's the old fashioned way oh, when you yes. just get all the ingredients and make a nice little cookie for a kid, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between cookies and kids?
1: <laughs> and then we get, A nice scene back on the bridge where the free cloud ads start popping up on the ship. (laughs) Man, so obnoxious. Oh, absolutely. And it was
2: great. Eleanor goes. Well, where's mine? (laughs) Yeah, I know what a baby. (laughs) Steve, I had seen something in the news a few years ago, too, that when you go into uh, the supermarket, they wanted to personalize everything towards you. Right. Because they read your card, because everyone has a special card for whatever supermarket they go in, they'd read your card. And then as you went up and down the aisles, they would try to sell you things or advertise things in the aisle directed towards you and your shopping history. And I read that article, and I'm like, please, no. Yes. (laughs) No, thanks. Right. That's a reality. I know that there's a grocery store here
1: that, yeah, you get their app and if you have it open right. while you're shopping. You're going to get dinged on whatever aisle you're on, whatever their special is that oh they get you
2: to buy. Not looking forward to that. And in the future, they are actually interactive holograms that you can physically connect with right <laughs> i guess yeah right? um, so when i start throwing punches around with my shopping cart in my local supermarket <laughs> we know we've gotten there yeah and it was funny that Girardi gets the
1: the boxing robot <laughs> and has to knock its block off little yeah. uh, callback to another boomer uh, toy <laughs>
2: That's right. Rock'em, sock'em, robots. Yep. Hit the head, and then it goes... <laughs> <laughs> They're gearing this towards us, Steve, the boomer generation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Those that were able to watch the
1: original series and uh, Next Gen. Yeah. Of course, Rafi reports that she's found Maddox, but this isn't good, as Jazel is looking to broker a deal for Maddox with the Talashar. Oh, boy. The Card asks for options, and Seven basically offers herself in a trade to save Maddox. And you kind of go, all right, Seven, what have you got up your
2: sleeve here? Yeah, she also has an ulterior motive, uh, much like Rafi, and going to Free Cloud. Absolutely. Poor Jean-Luc is running with a bunch of pirates who all have different plans than him. (laughs) <laughs> maybe he should have taken uh, the advice from his Romulan friend back at home and <laughs> gotten Warf and, and the rest of them. These people are uh, not exactly trustworthy. Right. Although, of course, I, I forgive anything Seven of Nine does. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, of course, we get another great
1: scene in the hollow deck where Raffi has the crew that is going down to Free Cloud as facers
2: all dressed mm-hmm. up. Yeah, whatever. Like I said before, that's better for the, uh, the holodeck. I'd rather see all that kind of silliness on the holodeck instead of real life. It's a, a poor comparison to the uh, Star Wars cantina, as I said.
1: Right. But it was I mean, great to hear Elnor out of nowhere go, you're pretending. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I love the way he's a grown man, but he's still a child because he's never been out. And
2: Oh, just absolutely greatness. Yeah, he, great delivery. He, Of course, he comes from a group that believes in absolute candor. Right. So when he sees people pretend or tell lies, he's like, oh, this is great. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody just looks at him like, I know. Uh. Yeah. This is how we do things normally. That'll be different. He's the fish out of water oh, everywhere. Absolutely. Shall we move on down to Free Cloud? Move on and moving on down to Free Cloud. Sounds like a song. Yeah. Yeah, we get there. We, we get old, good old Mr. Vup again, who can smell a lie. They show his nose, but apparently he's got a lot of other sensors that they can pick it up to. I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't show that. Right. <laughs> the good old uh, Rafi has got Rios prepared with beta blockers and injections and can any chemical scent that they have, even though uh, Mr. Vup actually does a sniff. I don't think he needed to snap. He could probably just sense it with all those other things that, fortunately, we didn't get to see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Rios tells Mister Vup that rather working for the Talshiar. Oh, that's that's another thing. Uh, when you brought it up in in your discussion, the Talshiar shouldn't they have somebody on free cloud anyway? You would think so. They're the Talshiar. Yeah. You should have, everywhere. They should, I mean, everywhere. Just about everywhere. Maybe they are stretched a little thin, but a lawless planet would would be the ideal place for a Tal Shiar, like own the Bar, who's the Ferengi Quark. That's a chain of bars, so... Apparently so. (laughs) He would have, the Tal Shiar would have to have someone working in there somehow, I would think. Oh,
1: absolutely. Especially if
2: is seems
1: to be as powerful as she actually is.
2: Yeah, you would, uh, in every classic Western, you always have somebody that's sniffing around the background. So anyway, we get back to our gang that's down on there, and the big deal here is, since he's facing or brokering a new deal, the third party is, will be Maddox for Namely Seven. We get a big reveal there by pulling the, the mask off, and it's going to be uh, Seven of Nine. And P- Picard and the rest is down there. He's got an eye patch in this awful French accent. I don't think even his dog would recognize that. Right. I know he's trying to teach his dog a little French, but that, what was that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I expect we'll hear Fred make comments about that. Yeah, go
2: get him, Fred. Go get him. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That was definitely over the top.
2: Yeah. Again, why? Yeah. (laughs) Robbie, meanwhile, leaves Picard and the company for good, supposedly, and travels to start a city reproductive health center, something I'll comment on later. Right. And she finds her son gabriel down there and this is the part that i enjoyed that uh that she had a good job acting in and a good some good direction because when she does meet up with her son that we learned that he's pretty angry with her and and she's trying her best she's instead of a a first offer she's stuttering her way through her excuses and i think she was taken aback by the ferocity of her son's reaction to seeing her there i mean he pretty much said what are you stalking me (laughs) yeah exactly
1: And you kind of wonder, okay, I know separations can be difficult, but Mm -hmm. it really sounds like, from his point of view at least, that he feels like he was totally abandoned. Uh, She got on her theory binge and just
2: left him and his dad in the wake there. They pretty much saw it as crackpot. Right. Was it him that brought up the Enclave of Eight? I don't think she mentioned it, but he did instead. Yes, he did. So, Steve, what do you think? Is it the enclave of eight planets? Like, members of the—I mean, it's like uh, Earth, Romulus, Klingons, and any other? Or is it just—do you think it's eight planets that's part of this enclave, or eight, like, security heads or people?
1: That's a really good question, and Mm -hmm. I'm kind of thinking— Of course, it's easiest to say, well, it's just eight people. But I think it's more like eight planets— Yeah, I'm thinking eight planets within the federation. Yeah, that yeah have put this together, and so you kind of go, hmm, and we Hmm. we kind of get a hint later on about this as well. Not a lot, but a little. Yeah, a little. (laughs) Now, of course, these people could be from any planet. From I'm almost thinking any time, even
2: boy, and it's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. uh, What the enclave of eight is? That was just tiny bit of this episode by a uh, a character we only meet briefly right his wife or partner i thought she was vulcan right. i saw some yes. people on the internet that thought she might have been romulan i'm like huh why right. no i think she was definitely vulcan i think definitely vulcan too when she showed up and first saw them together she smiled right you see that yes what kind of vulcan are you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're never going to see either of a Vulcan or a Romulan smile, unless a Romulan does it out of sadism. <laughs> right. And you'll see a smile. Yeah, I thought that, And then she didn't smile thereafter. Yeah, I thought that was a little curious,
1: too. And my first thought was, well, maybe she's half Vulcan and half human and mm-hmm. was raised more on Earth than Vulcan. So, yeah, she would show a little more emotions, but or it's. The baby pretty rough.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> or the hormones well, I, have gotten to her.
2: <laughs> either way, it ended pretty, pretty roughly for Rafi. Yes, doesn't end not a, well. Not only was she reminded she got the Picard treatment, Steve. Yes, not she only is. was she reminded of her crackpot theories and tinfoil hat theories, but she got reminded of her addiction problem too. Yes, so that was a double punch. One of my
1: favorite scenes, I guess. Yeah, it was a very emotional scene, and. Michelle
2: did a great job on it. Yeah, it was pretty much the the B-level or C-level plot point. Still, right, yes. It resonated with me. Oh, absolutely. So we get back to Bajazel taunting Seven about carving up her comrade, the typical Bond villain fashion. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yes, I cut him up. <laughs> Rescuing the Forgotten, not not that time. Wow. But Seven responds by reminding Bajazel that she was able to escape the villain's clutches. I'm the one that got away. And I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, did they have a relationship somehow? Right. Did you get that vibe at all, Steve? Yes, I
1: did. But Jaisal doesn't call her Seven of Nine. She calls her Annika.
2: Yeah, one episode
1: too late, Steve. Remember how I complained before?
2: (laughs) At least we got it this time. Yeah,
1: so I don't know if it was a romantic relationship or not, but it does look like there is something between them. Mm. Now I don't know if it was prior to Bejazel starting this Borg part harvesting business or not. Yeah, yeah,
2: I just get that vibe, very low level. Right. But it was there, I thought. You know, I know Seven it feels betrayed and they have that past, but it was a hint that it might have been something before that. Right. And Picard's <laughs> look
1: Oh yeah. This goes down is just Awesome!
2: <laughs> He's like,
1: what the <laughs> hell is going on here?
2: Yeah, speaking of James Bond, Seven breaks free of her handcuffs. You know, suddenly, you can almost hear the James Bond music rise in the background. <laughs> so Seven grabs Bajazil by the throat, the jigs up, and Picard wants to know what the heck is going on. And so Seven tells her, "Yeah," recording about slaughtering her friend that she considered, you know, like a child to her, and. Jean-Luc says murder is not justice, so he's once again the moral backbone to the show. So we were seeing a little bit of his old character creep into it. Yes. And we shift suddenly from a Bond-like thriller to an old Western where Rios kills Mr. Vup. When Mr. Vup was moving to attack somebody. He had something up, up his sleeve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he was going to use it, too. Oh, I just saw something else like that on TV, too, where someone had something up their sleeve. It wasn't a web slinger. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was- Back in the days of the Western, someone would have a derringer, their slave, and they would like flick their wrist, and the derringer would come out—a little mechanical device. You can get one or two shots off, and that looked like a two-shot uh, missile launcher too. That Mister Bupp had. Too bad we didn't get to see what it was. Oh, I know, The Mandalorian, <laughs> okay. where the Mandalorian had that up his sleeve, and he would shoot the missiles, and those things would be all over the place. Nice. That's how he would extract himself from getting in trouble. Too bad right. we didn't get to see how this one worked. Right. Yeah. You know, take out the wrong people. <laughs> yeah because
1: seven offers bejazels life in exchange for their safe passage back to the ship with maddox
2: yeah so which, the rest won't have a bounty on their head right which yeah you don't want that yeah, it'll be a little difficult to complete your mission not that the tal Shiar wouldn't be looking for him anyway but still he right, needs yeah. all these other bounty hunters <laughs> another exactly. allusion to the mandalorian <laughs> Yeah. So Basil agrees,
1: and Maddox is taken to sick bay, where he's cared for by Girardi. A little reunion there. Yeah. And
2: I was thinking, maybe they can have some cookies together.
1: Exactly. <laughs> we get that, maybe or not? Yeah, we get a night. The great scene with Picard and Seven. And yeah. Where he allows her to take two blasters as she's going to go back to Free Cloud. And we get the brief conversation about their humanity and is he fully human? No, but it's something they're working on every day.
2: Yeah, that was a good scene. That's another one of my favorite scenes from the episode. Absolutely. They get to have a talk because they have a shared past with the same, I don't know, struggling with their humanity and having implants and how people have suffered with them. They didn't talk about what Picard is suffering from. Right. brain trauma i thought he might uh, mention that to seven but he didn't and and she didn't seem aware of it no she didn't pick up on it so no and she she mostly has all her parts
1: in her apparently right yeah as even vault notices that yeah when he scans her it's like oh holy cow she's got more (laughs) borg in her than anybody i've ever
2: seen well yeah that's because she was assimilated as a child yeah Did you think that Rios left that uh, pattern enhancer there for uh, Seven to find, or he just put it down? Because he didn't pocket it. He put it on the- uh, On the bar, yeah. On the console. The first time I watched it, I go, did he do that on purpose, knowing that she'd be going back there? And I'm a little surprised Picard's radar didn't pick up the, oh, can I have a couple of rifles? Right. I don't know. Maybe he had too much faith in his own power to convince her the moral way is a better way to go. Right. Like, no, no. no, it's
1: not. Yeah. Seeing that he convinced her in that one scene, he's thinking, okay, yeah, she's okay. But
2: <laughs> she didn't want to let him down. Yeah. Yeah. No. So she, she beams back to Free Cloud and with her two new guns. <laughs> and Bejazel says she's being sentimental, which is a human trait, yeah. of course. And she doesn't want, I guess she just doesn't want to think about mercy or the quality of mercy. No. <laughs> No, quality mercy is lost there. and It doesn't fall gentle like the rain. It hammers down like a few bolts from a gun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right.
2: <laughs> I'm glad that uh, Seven wanted to leave him thinking there should be someone with some hope. Right. I hope, I hope. Picard isn't too naive going out there that everyone's going to think that way, but I guess he decided to put his trust in her. But she was, uh, yeah, she didn't want to hear it secretly, and she went down there to vaporize bejaisal. Right. And something akin to dusty tomato paste, yeah. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gazing. And then the last time we see her, she's just walking out. There was a blaster shot that went right by her left ear, it looked right. like. And while she's just walking into the gunfire, letting the second wave of security have it, I wonder if she wanted to go out in a, a blaze of gunfire. I don't think so. There was a
1: very determined look on her face that she was going to make it out of there in one piece. If she really thought she was going down there to sacrifice herself, I don't think she would have given Picard that chip that will allow him to contact her. Yeah, I guess we're going to see her again. I think so. Which is good. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Now, Of course, in the sickbay, Maddox confesses to Picard that, He knew Dodge was dead as soon as the Talishar raided his laboratory. Well, that's... Wherever it was. Yeah. He informs Picard that Soji is on the artifact for the same reason her sister was sent to Earth, to uncover the truth about the bans on synthetics.
2: Yeah, I had a problem with that too. How are they supposed to discover anything when they're completely naive? Right. Now, unless we have that
1: programming kick in when they contact mom. Right.
2: They get activated when they're threatened. Right. So that means they can go on and on without being threatened. Right. That works for the Tal Shiar, I think. they would I don't remember, does it work against the Tal Shiar? Right. They would want to know what she knows, but she doesn't know anything. And when it, she comes to realize it feels threatened, which is what the Tal Shiar does, yeah. she's certainly not gonna tell them anything there. So yeah. that makes Naric's plan make more sense than narissa oh yes why activate her but then because why activate her because she's just gonna fight yeah or get killed and that didn't help anything no didn't help with dodge so it it doesn't make sense to me steve i have to say i know it's a plot point that it's a maybe it's a plot hole our listeners can argue otherwise and let us know right but Dodge and Soji will never learn anything, and never give up what they know, and never find out anything about the band as long as they're not activated. Right. I think. You're and right. once they're activated, you either have to kill them, or they're going to fight their way out and win themselves. So I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right. And we aren't going to get any more information out of
1: Maddox than what he's already given us. Because yeah. he does tell Picard that he believes... Those nefarious forces aren't just Romulans, but also members of the Federation. Yeah, so perhaps we,
2: the enclave of eight.
1: Yes, I'm thinking so. Now, of course, Rios accepts Picard's request to fly into Romulan space to visit the artifact, <laughs> and then oh, mentions man. something about a stowaway. <laughs> so, of course, Picard has to go check it out, and Rafi basically tells him to leave her alone. Yeah, so, too bad
2: we didn't get to see her. I would like to have seen her face and face with right. those two guys. Yes, because she certainly gave it given it to uh, Picard before. Right and now, she's got a taste of her own medicine. And she has to rejoin the gang, so I, she's pretty good with facial acting. The there, expressions. I mean, yes, absolutely. At the reproductive center, she yeah. went from beaten up to uh, right back into conspiracy mode. So, and it's too bad we didn't get to see that. I wonder why they left it out. Right. Now back in the sick bay, Maddox is improving and is thrilled to
1: see Girardi and ask her if she got to meet Dodge. And he refers to them as perfectly imperfect and credits Girardi for her essential contribution to their creation.
2: I like that characterization of perfectly imperfect, like a human. Absolutely. Now, you have to admit any sentient being that's evolved the way. We have as a race of people or humans in the galaxies. Pretty miraculous. Yeah. Now, here
1: we get the major twist of the episode as Gerardi murders Maddox while tearfully admitting, I wish you know what I know. I wish I didn't know what I know. <laughs> and I wish they hadn't shown me. I'm so sorry. Now she's a murderer. Yes. And there's no getting around it because the. The EMH pops in before Maddox dies, but knows that he's in trouble. Yeah, and she
2: finally just deactivates him. So you Uh, know that's going to come out. That you would think with that type of AI that if he's an emergency medical hologram and there's something is that dire, there should be an emergency override not to be deactivated. Right. When there's a, a life thing, so but yeah, you're right. It has to be on the ship's record, right? Yes. So she's going to have
1: to fess up here f- as to what
2: happened with her and O. Yeah, I don't know what they showed her. I don't either. They ter- turned a former lover, I guess, into murdering him. How bad was it? Right. You know, I have my own theories, <laughs> but I don't know what it could be. I don't. I-, I, I have a theory about the Romulan past, but why would there be this group of people led by uh, Tal Shiar, or worse? Right. Or the Jacques Josh not, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what is so threatening. I mean, they've already had synths and androids and everything else. I mean, my theory is, are they that much of a threat to humanity or Romulans or or Vulcans? Right. And how
1: could it possibly be that they were, whoever this enclave of eight, if that's who actually got a hold of Girardi, could actually show her something that would cause her to do this if... Just from what we've seen so far, I mean, we saw how Dodge got taken out. Well, I wouldn't think that that would make her, seeing that would make her change her mind like this. So could they have actually had something from the future that they showed her? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that would actually cause her to change her position from what she was to what she is right now. (laughs) Time travel, huh? It's beginning to look that way. Or Mm. at least it is to me. Hopefully it's not. Maybe they've got something that... Maybe it was the scene with Ramada that they showed her. But still, I wouldn't think that would be enough to make her change her mind. Because at first, she was all in on Dodge and getting to Soji. She really wanted to see them.
2: Yeah. And now you're killing your lover and (laughs)
1: co-creator of them with... Huh?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Essentially... The other half of the parents, don't you want to? Yeah, don't you want to see what your so-called children are like? Yeah. Yeah, boy, I don't know. So everyone out there that thought she was a double agent or a spy were kind of correct.
1: Looking that way right now, at least until we yeah. get more information,
2: you're we're spot on. We the get teacher, into yeah. We all know time travel is the great equalizer for. Uh, of plot holes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I thought I've, there was a few plot holes in this episode. We'll see how they they fix it. Yep. But, uh, yeah. But I'm kind of hoping it's not time travel. But if it, if it is, I hope they do it well. Right. I mean, uh, if you follow Star Trek Discovery, there's the remnant of Starfleet and a Starfleet ship. What, nine hundred years in the future? Yes. <laughs> so did they manage to send back word? That'd be an interesting tie-in. Oh yeah, it would. It really would. Uh, um, I'm not strapping on my tin hat for that, Steve, but if they do... <laughs> yeah, it's. I guess it is a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we get into some Easter eggs? Yes, it was good to see Echeb uh, again. He was the oldest of a group of board children that Voyager rescued in the Delta Quadrant in the episode Collective. All the other kids were eventually resettled with their families, but Echeb remained aboard Voyager with Seven and returned to the Alpha Quadrant. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, Absolutely. Each of them no longer had a cortical node because he was forced a doctor to give his to seven when hers was malfunctioning, endangering his own life in order to save her in the, what was the uh episode? Yeah, imperfection? Imperfection. Yeah. All right. So that was cool. Yes. It I, was. I, I, I thought it looked good. <laughs> oh yeah. And I thought, oh, I thought it said oh did they have the same actor They portrayed the original, but no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so we were over two. They didn't have the original actor for Bruce Maddox. Right. And we didn't have the original actor for ECHEB. Boo. I wonder yeah, what a happened fans to-
1: were really wanting the original actor for Icheb, but of course the way the the beginning ended eh, maybe not so much.
2: Yeah. There was a few Easter history- David Bowie Easter eggs in this too. Free Cloud takes his name from the space oddity B-side Wild-Eyed Boyd from Clee Cloud. I guess there's a boy fan on the writing staff. It sure looks that way. And then, of course, Ziggy Stardust might have been the inspiration for Stardust City. Nice possible Easter eggs there, but we possible. do get some better yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah. And we got a shout out to Mr. Cork. His, uh, his horse bar, he had trouble with a breen, apparently. I don't know what his, what was his trouble with the breen, or is that just, uh, something to, to tease us with? Right. Well, that was part of Rios's
1: backstory. Yeah, was his rec. Yeah. His recommendation was for Mr. Quirk and how Rios handled the trouble with the Breen.
2: So it's like, yeah, oh, so okay, it just burnished his uh, resume. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that might have been. <laughs> All right, and we got this. John Ailes is the actor to played Maddox, subbing for the original Brian Brophy. And Brophy's been really coy because fi- fans have been having pictures taken with him. Right. He didn't say either way. So either he's a, a good little alumni or alumnus of the show. You know, he could have said, nah, I'm not going to be in it. Right. And spoil it for everybody, but he, but he didn't. No, he didn't. For more on Rappi's history, too, and her family, uh, we can recommend picking up Una McCormick's new novel, The Last Best Hope, which sounds interesting. Yes, it does. I um, may have to get that one. And good old Mr. Vup. he's the Beta Anari, a new alien to Star Trek, sentient reptiloids, gifted with the ability to sniff out lies. It's almost like... Uh, Wonder Woman, right. her magic golden lasso to <laughs> so tell who's the uh, telling the truth and not, and then we got one more, a uh, uh, Mister Mott. Did we see that advertised? Yes, the very first shot of Free Cloud is yeah. a sign for both Mister Mott and Quarks. Yeah, so Mister Mott, he was the barber, right? On uh, Next Generation, right? Yep. He doesn't have any hair, but he became a barber. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a thought, Steve. Okay. Can I interject a thought? Sure. There was something uh, thematic, a thematic throughline in ah, this show. Yes. I just I just wanted to add at the end. It was it's about children, which I guess everyone pretty much got so far, but we saw I don't know what they're trying to tell us, but 7 and 9 in each, okay? That was that children relationship, parent, right. parental and children relationship and Agnes and Maddox, right. you know, being parents to their perfect and imperfect children. And then, of course, we got Rafi with uh, her son. That didn't turn out right either. If you want to take it a little further, there's uh, Jean-Luc Picard and his kind of son, yes, Elnor. Yes, absolutely. And if you want to go and connect it with uh, David Boy in the Children of Mars, which is one of his songs, you could call all those synthetics Children of Mars. And they turned on their parents, too. Absolutely.
1: So. Uh, yeah, interesting
2: story thread there, Dave. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, parenting in the 24th century is not going well, <laughs> I would say. And I, yeah. I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that because every parenting children thread that we picked up here did not end well. No, it didn't. So we better keep an eye on Eleanor too. Yes.
1: Fortunately, he didn't have to have to do any protecting and just was able to soak it in mm. and didn't really have to make a decision on free cloud that could have Ended up badly for everybody, so at least he got a tad bit of experience without having to make any of the tough decisions. So
2: Dulu is absolute candor. I wonder if that's finally going to work against him and put him in a very difficult position. I think it will. We, I, everyone seems to be lying to Picard in this mission. I wonder if uh, he won't be able to do it. Right. You know, and it's going to put him in a difficult position. We'd
1: love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting
2: with you on social media. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? You can go to www.fangirlzone.com, click on the contact links, and you'll find several ways to contact us via email or social media. Steves at Twitter, Twitter's at Steve. and I'm at the real ID Dave. Please write and review us on iTunes. Good ratings and reviews help
1: other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Picard podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we sure hope you like our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other
2: great Fangirl Zone podcasts. (laughs) The sixth episode is on February 27th, and is titled The Impossible Box. Sounds like he's something you can't get out of. Yes. And it's also very QB-like and Borg QB-boxy. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: this is Chief Engineer Steve. No, we're
2: both working at it, aren't we? This is Redshirt Dave. I wish they'd show me what I didn't know. I wish I knew more than I do. So, you think you got a bad lady? We got a bad too. I want more answers.